This is Inspiring Nurseries podcast for nursery managers and owners and all those inspiring to be leaders in the early years sector. We are one of the only UK-based early years specialist podcasts bringing you trusted consultants, trainers and leaders in the so industry. So join me, Kate, co-founder of Hello Mums. And me, Marnie, founder of Sporty Minis. And make sure you subscribe because we know you're a busy professional and we also know that you will not want to miss this show. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and would love a review on iTunes. Hello and welcome to this Inspiring Nurseries podcast. Today we are looking at the pandemic and the lockdown from a nursery manager's viewpoint. Our guest is none other than Jennifer McKillen, nursery manager and nursery owner, joining us straight from South Africa. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, Marnie. How are you, ladies? Hello, hello, Jennifer. All very good, thanks. And you, Marnie? Hello, hello. Yes, all good here. Really excited to have Jennifer on our show tonight. Yeah, so whilst we are here in London, Jennifer, we have chosen Jennifer uh, as a guest, I should say, because Jennifer not only runs a nursery and owns the nursery in South Africa, but she also used to own a nursery and manage a nursery here in London. Am I right, Jennifer? Yes, that is correct. Um, we had a little a home nursery and a preschool and a day nursery in London, and it was a, it was a combination of special needs and mainstream school. And now what do you do? Okay, so when um, I moved to, back to South Africa in 2017, uh, we opened up our little nursery school here, and um, it's very similar in many ways, with a bit of a Reggio Emilia, um, Montessori, um, Boris School combined approach, but um, we also have a different thing in, in England where there are many special needs kids here, we actually have quite a few children that are adopted, and that's interesting because my husband and I have also adopted twin sons who are now, they've, they turned three in December, and so... Um, we have a 40% of our children at our nursery school are actually adopted. And those are pe- pe- children that have come to us naturally. We don't advertise that we have this, you know, um, uh, this affiliation with, adopt- with, the, with adopted children or anything. Um, and they've just come to us naturally. So it's actually really special. Um, and also, um, I do training as well, ECD, early childhood development training, quite a lot. Um, I train my own staff. Um, but also um, internally, but I also go out to the townships and the informal settlements in South Africa, and I train teachers there. Um, the training is very, very much needed, and you're talking about, you know, little schools that are in shacks and in containers, and um, you don't know if they're going to have water or electricity when you visit on the day. Um, so uh, these teachers are inspiring, they're inspirational, but they just desperately, desperately need knowledge, and they need to be empowered, and they need training. And so, so very different to what we have in the UK, isn't it? Very, very different. There's a there's a different type of need. There's there is in there are many children in England that are impoverished and living in very um, in, in in not good circumstances. There's a lot of that in England as well. Um, and but in South Africa, it it it, it goes to another level. Um, there's another level of poverty here. Um, and so I think for me, I obviously I love my school. That's our income. That's my, my baby. Um, but I also really feel this need to give back to the community and to help in any way I can. And what I can do is is, is what I know and I'm passionate about, which is early early childhood, early years. 
And um, you have and been so, all your life. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Jennifer, um, you've so, just given yeah. me goosebumps. You're like no? the, you've just given me goosebumps. You're like the um, I don't know guardian angel of early childhood in South Africa. Amazing. <laughs> How privileged no, we are to have you on here. No, you know, the, I think oh. you know. If anything, I always say, the ladies say to me, the teachers say, Jen, we learn so much from you. And you know what I say in turn, sorry, I learn so much from them. Actually working with people who are in dire circumstances, who actually, the children that come to their school, that the meal that they have at, at nursery school or at preschool is the only hot meal they'll have that day. It, it keeps you grounded, it keeps you mm-hmm. humble, and it keeps you focused. And um, I, I feel very privileged that I'm in a position that I can speak into other people's lives, but they speak into my life a hundredfold. As do my sons, my adopted children. Um, you know, they, if, a lot of people say, oh, your boys, because um, also it's a, it's a cross-racial adoption as well, and they say, oh, you've done a wonderful thing. And I say, no, but the blessing is ours, you know. They've given us so much by us, uh, us being their parents. So I think it depends on that. Um, us coming back to South Africa, I miss England very much. Um, I have How many years have you spent in England? Um, I was in England for 15 years. And um, so, yes, we grew roots and we loved it. We loved it. But we just, in 2016, we felt a very, very strong call, both my husband and myself, to come to South Africa. And not even to go to Cape Town, where my hubby's from and where I was born, but to actually go to Johannesburg. And um, and we don't regret it for a minute. Coming here was the best thing we did for us as a couple. That's wow. amazing. And the nursery you had in London, in Wandsworth, how many years did you have Jenny Flowers open for? So I, we started, I started off as a childminder in 2007. Um, and then I went to, uh, then I went and qualified and I got my level three at first and then uh, we grew we opened up a little home nursery which was child mining with assistance and then in 2013 yeah that was in 2013 we opened up the preschool and then in 2015 we opened up the day nursery which was right which was essentially they're on the same property but um, the one, Kate, you would know being there at the property, there's the two halls that are together, the original yes. preschool and then the new one. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how it was. I loved it. You know, I, you know when you feel you, you are making a difference, um, we used to have our special needs um, play group once a week, which was a free play group that moms who look after children at home with special needs can come and have coffee, have a chill you know, um, chat to other moms. Generally, it's the moms that are at home with their special needs kids and, and, and see that there are a, a little bit of a support structure there. And then we would, in turn, while they're busy having a rest, we would look after their kids, blow bubbles, paint, sing, draw, mm. and give their parents a break for, for a couple of hours. And that is, so you know, one maybe, of the things, you know. maybe money. <laughs> Uh, the goosebumps <laughs> go for England as well, not just for South Africa. <laughs> yeah, big time. I think we all need one of those right now. Um, Jennifer, what was your? Sorry, my uh, just really, really inquisitive. What was your biggest takeaway from running your own um, earlier setting here in the UK that you've taken to South Africa? Um, my biggest one big thing is where in England. Um, it is there's a lot of regulation and some might even say there's there's too much regulation and red tape in many areas you come to South Africa 
and um, the regulation is there but it's not actually monitored very well so you find that there are many nursery schools here that actually aren't even registered Wow. And that just cannot happen in England because Ofsted come and inspect you. I mean, I used to have Ofsted inspect us before we could even open our doors to trade. So um, I think that's one thing. I was like, wow, I can't believe this because I believe if you own a liquor store, you make sure you have a liquor license, you know. And so with opening up a nursery school, there's so many things, insurances and so many things you need in place to make sure that you open up a good um, quality business. So that was something I had to get my head around. And then I realized, but, you know, people are actually lacking knowledge. They lack policies and procedures, which I, you know, for my Jenny Flowers, I had 65 policies and procedures. Wow. And even in England, that's a lot, you know. So, and so coming and here, how many think, do you have now? I have probably a little bit less, but, but not that many less. <laughs> because I just like to have, I think, as, as businesses, we need to be covered. And parents also need to know where they stand. So if something happens, what is the policy? What is the procedure that the nursery school will follow? And um, I don't believe in cutting corners. I think you've got to be thorough in whatever business you're in. So I take that same business head of England I've brought to South Africa. And I think here we stand out because our education approach is a little bit different, quite a bit different. Reggio Emilia is not very common here at all. But also besides that, it's the way we run the nursery school. A lot of parents are amazed when they come for show around visits prospective parents and what i tell them they say my word you know i've been to other schools they don't mention half of what you mention and it's just things i do believe parents need to know prospective parents we've got to be transparent and let them know that we're running a really good quality business you know yeah. Yes, and as you say, you know, policies and procedures, and we have spoken quite a bit about that in recent weeks, given that because of the pandemic that we are in, all the policies and the procedures needs to be updated. So how did, yes. how did things go down in South Africa? I know you're up to date with everything on what's happening in England, but we yes. don't quite know what happened and when it happened, you know, your timeline and what are you doing at the moment? What are you doing with your parents? What are you doing with your staff? And how are you? How are you as a nursery manager? Okay, so um, I think at the moment um, it's there are a lot of high emotions. Um, it's pretty stressful. Um, I think um, for me personally as a nursery owner, the invoices still come in. You know, there's no relief from us getting the, the invoices. But um, the nursery fees aren't necessarily coming in as readily as they usually do um, because of uh, some parents believe that obviously there's no service being offered, we're not going to pay. And then others still do try and pay something because obviously they, they know we have good relationships and they know we've got staff, etc., to pay. Um, and um, it, it, it really differs, you know, it's, it, there's much less fees coming in. And then also um, with my, my, my main concern is my staff. It always would be my staff. And um, I've just got to make sure that I try and – I think my main concern is whenever our lockdown does finish, it's because some children have given notice as well, you know, and they've done it with lots of nursery schools. They've given notice because parents don't want to keep on paying fees and getting invoices for something that they don't know when that service is going to be available for. So, you know, you've got to see it from a parent's point of view. Um, but then on my token is with staff, how, how you know, we don't have a furlough system here. So we don't have, you know, my, my staff don't have the privilege of getting 80% of their salary paid while they're sitting at home. Um, 
anything they receive is anything that I can possibly give them. So I'm trying really hard and trying to just be, you know, quite industrious in, in, in how I can, you know, pay my team. Um, and so it, 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 a lot of it will depend on when we can reopen. I am aware of a couple of local nursery schools that will not be able to open their doors again, which is so, so sad for everybody involved. Um, and we will definitely be able to. But um, I'm just, we just don't know how long it's going to be because we will lose children in the meantime. Um, and then hopefully when we reopen, those parents will, their own situations would have got better um, because some of them have lost, have lost their jobs. They're on 50% pay. Um, you know, some of our parents are on really dire straits themselves, you know, currently. Mm -hmm. So my, my take is we're all in this together. I'm big on communication with my parents. You know, we've got our WhatsApp groups. Um, on my, We've got a, a Facebook page, um, Facebook under the Sun Education. And um, there we also have, um, we reading story times. It's me reading stories. I've even got my family members involved with their children reading stories. My staff are involved with stories, activities. And Very I have a lot different of rules to England then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jenny, also, how long? Yes. Sorry, how long? It's now the 21st of April. So yes. how long have you guys been in lockdown for? Um, okay, so on the 17th of March, um, mm -hmm. the schools were all told they had to close. That was a government directive from our president, Cyril Ramaphosa. So, on this, so basically we've been, we self-isolated right at the beginning. Um, my husband has an autoimmune disease and, and my boys and myself, we all are asthmatics. So we mm -hmm. took the choice to self-isolate. Then mm -hmm. our actual lockdown in the country began on the 26th of, of March. Right, um, so okay. it was very similar to England, actually. Yeah. But so we've just been, so I think we're on day 34 today of, of uh, being isolated ourselves. Wow. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, we actually, you know, in the grand scheme, I, 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 I refuse to complain. Um, you know, and there again, it's also this, you know, like in England, there's a lot of people who have flats, who do not have a garden, if you've got children. Can you imagine how hard that must be for parents? And they might be working from home still and being a, a full-time 24-7 parent. Um, mm. And then they, they have no outdoor play area that they're allowed to play in. I know in England you're allowed to take um, some exercise a couple uh, once a day or something. You're not allowed that in South Africa. Lockdown is lockdown. No, you're not allowed that at all. <laughs> you're only allowed to go out for essential supplies and things like that. Um, and but I'm really I feel so blessed. We've got a home. We have a garden. The boys are um, they want for nothing. We have food in our fridge. We have a roof over our head. There are many people in South Africa who live in a small shack. Who there might be ten people living in one room. They do not have a garden. They are very close to their neighbours in the in the in the townships. It is absolutely impossible to social distance that way. So um, I think that's that's one of the reasons I think why our president was so strict with the lockdown here. If you compare him to say um, to uh, Boris Johnson, is that because here, if the virus gets into townships, it is just it'll just spread that more quickly because of the nature. People literally cannot social distance. Um, if you if you live in a room, think of you know your lounge at home that might be the size of someone's shack, okay, and there's no running water, there's no bathroom. So you've got to go to a, a to a community toilet that might be 200 meters from your shack, and you might have to go to a tap um, that is maybe 100 meters from your shack that 1,000 people around you are all sharing. 
So it just puts, how do you keep, how do you keep, you've got to be so extra clean and be sanitizing and wearing masks and have social distancing. How can you possibly do that in those sort of situations? So I will not, I refuse to complain because we are in such a better place. And I think we will stop complaining. Not that we have been, but <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, yeah I think you know, everyone been, has their own thing, you know, but yeah, I, 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 I won't complain. I definitely won't. Through that whole story, I was squirming in my seat. <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, it's, it's and as a nursery manager, a nursery owner, how does it feel? You know, what, what are the daily challenges that you face? What are your worries or your biggest concerns? Um, my, my biggest concern is just keeping, like, you know, I'm, obviously I'm in touch with my team um, and they have done some training at home, which is fantastic. Um, I am an uh, ECD, an early childhood development trainer as well. So I've made sure that the training that was supposed to happen in-house over the next few months, they're doing that now at home. Um, they also took home lots of planning and stuff to do. So they've had, you know, some things to do for school, which is good, I think. Um, keeps them in that mindset and they've been doing little activities in that for videos. But I think I want to just keep, you know, we're a very, very close team. Um, in a nursery school, it's, it's a very personal business. You know, when you spend 10 hours with a person every day, they become your family. Um, and so we, we honestly really, really miss each other. And I think mm-hmm. that's something um, that uh, I miss my team. And I, and I concern my, about myself about the team because they also obviously they, they, they cannot not have a concern about jobs. You know, if the lockdown, we don't know. Um, I think on Thursday we should hear if the lockdown is going to be extended, but there's talk of schools only reopening in, in, in South Africa in July, you know, for us. So if it does happen, that, that's hectic, you know. Mm, um, yes. And I, and I do worry. I love my parents. I love my families. And so we do stay in touch. They send photographs. They send videos. Um, and I do – that's just my nature. You know, I, I, I concern myself with how they are. But at the end of the day, um, I'm a mom, first and foremost, and my boys are happy and they're developing well and we're spending some amazing family time together. And I think that's really what I'm trying to focus on, you know, and feel blessed that we actually do have this time together. Yeah, definitely. What um, challenges do you think is going to appear, um, not only in South Africa, but your views as well for the UK, when we go beyond COVID and we reopen our doors for these beautiful children to come back? What what issues are we going to face? It's interesting. I think it's going to be a myriad of issues. And I think, you know, like, say with older kids, a lot of schools are doing remote classrooms on Zoom and that which is great and, you know, which can keep things going. And um, my sister, she's a, um, she's, a, she's a teacher in a primary school and, and so she has Zoom classes every day with her children. But the thing is what, what is happening is that a lot of children, their screen time has gone through the roof, through remote yes. learning. And also, um, a lot of parents are working from home and, and they're going to they're gonna turn to their digital babysitter more readily than they would normally do because they need to get their job done so they can get paid their salary. So we're gonna, I think we're going to have children who actually have been socially isolated, which isn't very good from a, you know, a screen time point of view. And also I think we're going to be dealing with some mental health issues. Um, I think with staff you might have that. And um, 
and also with adults themselves who've lost jobs, who are in dire need throughout the and world. And some people will lose family uh, members and friends. And exactly. There'll be grieving to take that'll take place in homes as well. And then the children are seeing their parents go through this. And it's so hard for a parent because you're trying to, you're feeling stressed, but you really try hard not to let your kids know what's going on. And because you want to be, you know, you're teaching your children. So the children are looking at their parents and they're learning about resilience. They're learning about when you go through hard times, how are mom and dad coping? Because they're learning these, we actually are, are, it's a, the way we parents are in our homes is actually going to make a lasting impact on our children, I believe. Um, and so I do think there are going to be some mental health issues. I think staff, um, when, when schools do reopen, I think there needs to be training on mental health. Um, I know often staff do have some certain training um, on their with um, child protection on trauma and things, but I think there will be, need to be training on on uh, it, it needs to all be refreshed and maybe taken further because there will be issues that we have to deal with that we haven't had to deal with before. Um, and do you see any of that happening? Do you see any of those trainings coming out? Whether whether in South Africa or in the UK. Because Marnie and I have been keeping an eye on there are some trainings coming out, there are some grain mites coming out, but we haven't really seen much, or correct me if I'm wrong, Marnie, we haven't really seen enough of of the preparation or going beyond COVID-19. Yeah, I agree. I think, and one of the questions we keep asking all of um, the experts that we have on our podcast we keep asking what what what's the situation going to be when we reopen and what issues do we need to be trained for and ready to expect from the children and i haven't seen enough out there um mm. from other leaders to to you know that that forward vision and then to get the training to get us ready i mean here in the uk we're approaching the end of april we may potentially hopefully fingers crossed the opening again in june so that is technically only five six weeks away five weeks away i think mm. you know this would be a great time to be looking forward and thinking about how we can upskill practitioners to get ready maybe even giving some advice to parents for you know that mm. first day back or the week before i know that um our resident early years consultant Alison Featherby suggested that to some of her settings that they use maybe the week before reopening when they have a reopening date um, that the staff use their holidays and they do some training which I thought was a fantastic idea however what are we training for? Um, I think yes I think um, two things with the children they've also learned that they've had to put up with a new norm and so suddenly parents were there 24-7 and suddenly they're not. So they're confused. So children are going to have to resettle into nurseries all in bulk. You generally new kids start and it's little bits and a few children at a time, you know. But now there's going to be a whole nursery school coming back, boom, bang. And so I think children need time to resettle. And staff need to be aware of this and have to be very sensitive in the way that they deal with the children. Also, the way they deal with the parents, because some parents, I think, will be quite calm and just quite, listen, guys, we trust you, look after the kids, great, cheers, see you later. And other parents will be ultra, ultra cautious, bordering paranoia, because they say, oh, can I leave my kid at nursery school? Is it going to be safe? Have you sanitized it? When your groceries arrive, do you sanitize everything? Do you know what I mean? You're going to get extremes of parents that you're going to deal with as well. So I think staff need to have 
some really good training from their managers and from their owners to say, listen, this is what we expect will happen when school reopens. Be prepared for it. And the really hard questions, I would say, leave for the managers to deal with. Because your average practitioner going back, it's going to be hard enough for them to be deal- They need to focus on the kids. They need to get the yes. children back into their routines and get them get those cuddles going again, you know, get the relationships glowing again and mm-hmm. let the managers deal with the hard nitty gritty stuff, you know. And it will um, be difficult for them as well. You know, it's yeah. it will be just as tricky for the staff as well to resettle because, you know, whilst whilst in the in South Africa they weren't furloughed, most of the nursery staff has been furloughed or have been yeah. furloughed here and it's going to be strange for them even though most of them will be very eager to get back um, yes, it's going to be a new settling in period for them as well so originally it's not just a small portion of children but everybody yeah. coming in and resettling all together and creating yeah. a new form so it's a wonderful and exciting time as well you know because you can create a new beginning for everyone it's pretty much a mass reunion And it's so exciting. And I think, you know, even adults, you know, we deal with change differently. Some of us cope better than others in different situations. The same thing with children. And I think some children will actually get on with it and, and they have a resilience, an inbuilt resilience, and they'll kind of, you know, settle into nursery really quickly. And other children won't, you know. So I think we need to be prepared for that, deal with each child on their own merit, deal with each child uniquely as we should do anyway as practitioners and um, and take things from there and just be patient and actually it's very very important that the, the working in partnership with our parents continues well and there's open communication there's transparency and there's just um, uh, just a, a really deep understanding we're here for your children we, again we haven't been but we're here again and anything anything that you're dealing with at home whether it's you're, gr- you're grieving about somebody or daddy still doesn't have a job yet let us know, share those things with us because then we can properly support your child in turn. Um, and so I think there's just, um, you know, well, I think for many people what this has happened, this whole lockdown, it's actually made people more aware of people. And I think it's actually in a way it's been really good for humankind. You know, it's not just this running this rat race of, of Monday to Friday, making as much money as you can. You know, it, it really doesn't matter what car you have parked in the garage. It's parked in the garage. It's going nowhere. And, um, you know, our petrol prices in South Africa went down hugely recently. And I said, well, that's really useful, isn't it? Seeing as none of us are on the road. But it just shows you the times. But I think we just really got to dig deep as human beings and as business owners and especially as nursery owners. We have to dig deep and really look at parents and children. They're all of different challenges, and we've really just got to be there for them, you know, and try and meet them and support them as best we can, you know. I think we're going to have to dig deep for longer than just now as well. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think there's going to be a major impacts to the early years industry for a good okay. 6, 12, maybe even 18 months. Um, Kate and I have different views on this, actually. Um, we both We both have our hopes and dreams for the industry but I mean what would your thoughts be not only for South Africa but here in the UK as well for our other nursery owners and uh, managers listening what's the impact that you think is going to be for our industry within the next six to twelve months? Yeah I I think the impact will actually be very similar in many ways. Um, Nursery schools will close that goes without say. Um, Some nursery schools will close 
um, and and, ma and many nursery schools will be able to reopen. And so I think there will be maybe not enough childcare um, available for children that need it, especially those that offer funding and things like that. So um, unfortunately, it'll be the usual thing of parents that can pay fees will probably be you know, prioritised over parents who can't. That happens, that's the world we live in. So that's what worries me, about children falling through the cracks. Um, so that that is also, I think, another take is parents that for the first opportunity probably ever, they're working from home, and for many they're really keen to get back to work. But actually for many, I think, they might actually quite like it. And I think they might actually decide, you know, I can maybe homeschool my child. So there might actually be a drop in the need for childcare going forward where parents, number one, they think, actually, I'll do this from home and save myself a nursery fee because I'm making it work, and also because of the safety issue, that they're really worried about their kids going back into nursery, maybe they'd, they, you know, that they, they, they'd be safer at home, you know, with the virus, because I think it's going to be around for quite a long time still. It's not just suddenly going to disappear from anywhere, mm. you know? No, so it isn't. I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what transpires, but I think worldwide, I think similar things will happen in the industry, you know. Do you think there will be less nurseries than childcare? Or, you know, there will be more children needing childcare than what nurseries can offer? Yes, I think um, demand will definitely exceed supply. Um, I'm aware of nursery schools in England that are closing, even with the 80% furlough and with all the, the help that, that you know, owners can get there. The numbers just certainly don't 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 uh, the numbers don't make sense. A lot of um, some like some landlords nurseries who rent. Some landlords have said, "Don't worry, don't pay your nursery rent," and and but many have said, "Sorry, you still got to pay your rent." You know, so nurseries are getting deeper and deeper in debt as lockdown goes down. It goes on, and um, the fees aren't coming in because there's no service being offered. Um, and so, how do they honestly? Um, how can they, they don't know that yet yeah, the uncertainty is too big and it's very worrying and very, very stressful for many owners. So I think some, some definitely will close and I'm aware of, um, and, and some, I think, unfortunately will also, um, will close in time. I think it, it, it does depend on how long the lockdown goes on for, and we don't know. We're all in an unknown in England and in South Africa, I think in the world, you know, we're not too sure what's going to happen over the next six months. Um, never mind the next yes, and you have you have just mentioned that you know quite a lot of the nurseries are going to close or will close, especially the longer the lockdown goes on. But do you think that there is a slim chance that this will trigger something for the government towards the early year sector, and they will realize that you know these foundational years are called foundational foundation years for a reason? And they will support more businesses to set up nurseries and maybe potentially, but I might be pushing too many buttons, they will realize that these people need to be paid well because they are working 10 hours a day, five yep. days a week. You know, we can only hope. Even if some of it comes, you know, even if some of it, even if they say that, you know, the so-called free childcare yes. which we all know it's not free it's not, yes, but yes. even even <laughs> if it was just given in full to the nursery yeah. and it was the same amount across the board and it yeah. wasn't 15 hours 38 weeks a year because that yeah. really really winds me up yes yep just say how many it is for 52 weeks a year because we have 52 uh -huh. weeks in a year 
And obviously, a lot of the nurseries are open 51 weeks. So why are you saying 38? Um, but yes, it would be good if if maybe that sum was somehow adjusted at least a little bit. You know, you keep um, living the dream, Kate, but we are going into a recession. <laughs> yes, I think so too. I, I am generally a very positive person, um, but I'm afraid, oh, the cynicism in me does come out a bit. The government always have um, prioritised state nurseries. Um, so I think they will, they will be a priority. Um, private and independent nursery schools and childminders just aren't on their government agenda, it seems. They're always, they need to make their own way to make things happen. And I hope, I really do sincerely hope, that the government does actually realise the fact that actually, you know what, private and independent nurseries actually, they actually, um, uh, know that, more children go to private and independent nurseries in England than to state nurseries. No, it's more. And I don't know if they actually realise this, you know. Um, but we don't know. Um, I can't say. But um, I do hope that maybe it does open their eyes. I really do hope it does, you know. But if there is a recession... Parents, I think at the very least parents will uh, definitely appreciate the industry a lot more after this. That's always yes. a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> and appreciate, you know, if they if, having their own child, even from Monday to Friday all day, is hectic for a parent. Imagine times that by 15, 20, 30 children, you know, that the average, you know, teachers often look after. I think in anything, it's it has actually highlighted the, the incredible job that teachers do, whether it's a nursery school, primary teacher, high school teacher. I think teaching as a profession is so undervalued. Um, and I it think is. parents are, and people are sitting, sitting up now and they're realizing, gosh, you know, you guys actually, you put a lot of work into what you do and it's hard work, you know. Mm. Um, Even so with two or three at home, let alone with 30 in the same room. Yes, <laughs> all competing for each other, yes. And at different learning levels as well, you know. Mm. Um, and parents now, they might have a they might have a year one child, they might have a year five and a year seven child that they're trying to homeschool at the moment, or we call it crisis schooling because <laughs> it is crisis schooling, you know. But um, and, and then it, even in classrooms, I mean, you know, you've got children of different ages, but they're different levels. And a teacher, her job is to know her children very well and to make sure that that child gets what she's trying to say. And uh, it's really hard if you're in a big class. Can I just say here, bring up um, a comparison here. In many schools, primary schools in South Africa, in your rural and township areas, take a guess at how many children are in a class. Oh, I don't there. Oh, no. Easily, yeah. easily 60 to 70. Six <gasps> zero For one seven teacher. Zero in a class, one teacher, no assistant. That, happen that happens a lot. Um, at wow. one of the, the schools that I, at one of the, the preschools that I train at in Deep Slit, which is a township about half an hour from me, um, there's a little preschool about 45 children. Across the road, there's a primary school. And that primary school, those are the numbers in that school. Now, how on earth as a teacher do you make sure that those children are actually getting anything from that class? You're spending half your lesson trying to keep the kids quiet. And then what happens is your kids that get it, get it, but those that don't, just fall through the cracks. And that's what really upsets me. It's those children that are left behind and they can never catch up, you know. So um, It's very interesting that you say that, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I had a, a, a conversation, actually, I had this, uh, another meeting with Hello Mums with a teacher and we were talking about this and she said, you know what, you will not believe it, but mm. the children listen much better now that they are in Zoom because they are not next to one another 
they don't make that sound they are all muted and yes. they all she was worried about she really wanted the parents to be out of the picture because it's a classroom and it has yes. to be they have to respect the privacy yes. of the child okay. yes. and she said that she is seeing really really good results at the moment and that mm. everybody's learning because in a way there isn't that judgment that oh she knew better or that knew better yes. Or this yes. new better but you're just yes. trying your best because you know it's completely yes. new territory it's ground zero absolutely and everybody's and can... learning as they go along aren't they mm. I think academically especially obviously with older children not in nursery um, you actually can keep up with your academics you know in many ways uh, my sister's actually a bridging teacher so that's a different story altogether a lot of her work is one-to-one -one. but the problem is and especially when you're dealing with younger children in nursery is that social and emotional level that that you know in early years we we i, I use the eyfs here as well i think it's a, a brilliant curriculum that i learned in england and i trained on so um i and and, and i have that in south africa it's your your social and emotional your physical development and your communication and language. Those are your three foundational areas of learning that we focus on in early years. And then your others, your maths, your literacy, et cetera, come, you know, they are secondary really, you know. So, but with them be with this lockdown, what social and emotional um, development is happening? Obviously, there's that whole, you know, you're with your immediate family and they're obviously your most important people in your life. But um, there will be that lack, you know, and then that moving to, just just the, the extra, the screen time and that, you know. So I think academics, you can kind of pull through and kind of make it happen and ensure that children don't fall too far behind so that when school does reopen, you can play catch up. And But it's just that whole, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot more involved than, than just academics with children, you know. So really, it's not just going to be the mental health that people or nursery staff really training, but reintegrating the social health and the emotional yeah. health of all the children yeah, very much so very much so and also bearing in mind children have been they might be with parents some parents will deal with it quite well and I know as a parent myself some days I'm actually I'm trying to I, I, I'm trying to be calm in front of my boys and I'm trying to just have fun and be this fun mommy but actually other days I'm, I'm, I can do that and other days I can't because I, 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 I love my team and I am concerned and and um, so my boys do see stresses, you know, and that's why it's so but important. But it's you know, part of them, life, isn't it? It is. So it's a huge learning curve for everybody, but it's how we deal with that. That's why, you know, um, that our boys and our children are learning from us, you know, on how does mom and dad deal with these this crisis that's currently happening, you know. It's really, really important. And I think it's very important as an adult that you share if you're worried you need to talk about it and you need to express it. Mm -hmm. If you have your children, there is no reason you, you can, even for preschoolers, my little boy is four years old, and mm -hmm. I just sat down with him and I said, you know, this is the reason why I feel this way. And it's yeah. okay if you feel something like that. Obviously, don't go into something overly complicated. No. But the older the children are, the more straightforward you need Absolutely. to be. Because the more you share, the more they will share as well. Yeah. Um, but it's also as a nursery manager, you know, if I look at it from the perspective of a nursery manager and just, you know, all the things that have come out, yeah. things, the, what was it, the 20th of March was the last day of... of all education existing you know all yeah. the nurseries and everything had to close 
And since then, the amount of information that has come in contradicting or partial or misleading and then trying to communicate that towards my staff, trying to get the nursery clean, trying to look after the children, trying to look after the parents, trying to look after the policies, the procedures. It is an overwhelming amount of things to do, even if you're shut. And if you're open for key workers, then it's a whole new level. Yeah, and you've got the safety aspect. You're worried about the safety because they're looking after the children of uh, the key, yeah, of, of of parents who are actually are dealing with patients of COVID nineteen. So um, it's it, it's pretty hectic. Um, I do actually know three nursery owners in the UK who themselves have contracted COVID nineteen, um, and um, they actually um, uh, and I'm sure there's quite a few staff, but obviously I, I I'm, I'm in contact with owners themselves, and um, and it was through them actually keeping their nurseries open. Um, so it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. Um, it, it's the nursery owners that actually did uh, manage to make it work. They're, they're, the ones that have stayed open, I can tell you, they are they are um, financially losing from staying open. They're not making it. They're purely doing it from the heart. Um, and then those that have closed, most most of them, I can tell you, would prefer that they could stay open, but they literally physically can't. Not if they want to save their business, you know. Yes, we know. So, we know quite a lot of the nurseries we work with, yeah. both yeah. Marnie and I, that they needed to close because it was simply not feasible. I also yeah. know one of the nurseries yeah. we work with, where the local authority has come in and said, "Can you please open because we need a nursery?" Yes. yes. Yeah, they have actually asked that, and then you, as a nursery owner, you see a lot of. Obviously, we're running businesses, but it's such a hot industry. You know, we love the kids. It's it's not it's the children mean the world to us. It's all about personal relationships. You know, um, it's such a um, it's such a um, it's a hot business. So to actually close your nursery, it's such a hard decision. I mean, I had no choice in South Africa. In a way, I'm glad my president took that situation, that, that decision away from me because I didn't have to make that decision. You know, um, he said close, I closed. But in England, the nursery owners had to make that decision. What a hard decision to make. How do you decide which staff you furlough and which staff you don't? You know, because that's going to cause issues amongst the staff team themselves. Um, there's just so much you have to consider, and and um, you know a lot of them are, are, are in very very stressful um, situations currently, whether they're closed or not, you know, in England. Um, and yeah, my heart goes out to you know to all of them really. You know, it's it's it's, it's a very difficult time. Do you think? And I think this will be the last question of our podcast. Do you think that things will change for good? There will be some fundamental changes the way we have our nurseries open? Or do you think that, let's say, in 18 months' time, we will do everything the same way as we've been doing? I think, if anything else, it can only make the, um, the, the practice within the nurseries better. You know, from the whole hygiene point of view, can I tell you, nurseries are pretty good anyway. I mean, my school... Um, we always got a five-star rating. You know, the environmental health come in and they rate your schools. We always got five-star. They were very happy with everything. They, they, they inspect the, t- the kitchens. They grill your staff. Um, so, But I think now it's gone to a different level. And nurseries are going to have to up their ante if they want to make sure that parents understand that they, that they can provide a safe place for parents to drop their child at. 
They're going to have to do that. And another take also that I'm even in my own head thinking about is that nursery schools, you know, there are, as I mentioned, some parents will decide, actually, I'm going to stay at home with my child. So that gives nursery, some nursery owners might decide actually to hold some remote classes. And if they're doing that now, they might continue to do that, offer that as an add-on to what they already offer. They can offer some online lessons, even if it's some video circle times and some activities and things so that they still are, are having an input. And, you know, I think we, I think it's made people take a step back and look at their business holistically at what they could make better, things that they're going to have to change, you know, with when they open up their school again as far as, COVID-19, I call it, I've got a policy, it's a soft lockdown policy and procedure. Um, and that's just going to be ongoing. You know, the way we, we're going to change the way we do handovers. Um, staff will be wearing masks at handovers. We will have them available for our parents. You cannot socially distance children. That's impossible to do. So you've got to make sure, you've got to be very wary. I'm already wary from a security point of view, what visitors are allowed in the nursery school. Um, but now even more so from a health perspective, who are you going to allow into your nursery school? You know, I do you know, know that we've got hip hop teachers and ballet teachers and um, music teachers that come in. Um, as extracurriculars, and this is something for you, Marnie, to think about. And some nursery schools are actually saying, oh, I don't know if I want that now because they're an mm. external person coming into my setting. So then mm. our extra, I've been chatting to our extracurriculars saying, and they're saying, you know, Jane, we want to reassure you that we will be safe when we come to your school, you know. So there's a lot of factors to consider really, you know, and there will be change. I think things will never be the same again. Um, and in a way... <laughs> You know, if anything, at the end of the day, it's made us actually have more of a heart and think about each other and consider each other and and um, just have an appreciation of each other, really, you know, how much we all do mean to each other, you know. Yeah, gratitude yes. and, um, yeah. yeah, that appreciation is huge. Yeah, very much Okay. So. so hopefully we will come out richer and healthier and more holistic. Hopefully, uh, people will have more gratitude and obviously the take away from this podcast is safety. So you reckon that safety will be paramount and I pretty much agree with that. Uh, we will just have to wait and see how it all comes together. Yes, yeah. I think so. And um, yeah, um, obviously I love what I do. I believe in what we do. Um, we love the kids and their safety and their health and well-being is our priority. Um, and so that's just something we all just have to look at incredibly hard before any of us open our doors again. And I think that's a beautiful place to end our podcast. <laughs> thank you, Jennifer, for joining us oh. all the way from straight uh, from South Africa. And thank you, Marnie, for being oh. my co-host again tonight. Um, no I look forward to chatting to you both, ladies. Uh, in the very near future. And thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. Have a lovely evening. <laughs>